Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe that this message is going to bless your life, encourage you, and strengthen your walk with Jesus. Grab a notebook, a pen, and let's jump right in. Amen. Well, good morning. How many of you are excited to be here this morning? Amen. I'm excited. I believe that God has something incredible in store for this service today. I want to encourage you just to buckle up, fasten that seatbelt, get ready, because God wants to speak into your life today. I've been ready for this message for a couple of weeks now. I'm a planner, so I'm one of those guys that plans ahead. I've already got message number seven done for this series. Why? Because I believe that God can speak to me in advance. Yeah, come on. So I've been prepping and getting ready, and I've been ready for this moment because here's what's happening. Up to this point, we've watched the early church. They've come in to uh, Jerusalem. They waited for this promise that Jesus has told them about. They began to seek after God, and they took care of some business and dealt with a few things and replaced Judas, and suddenly the Holy Spirit fell amongst them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. With boldness, Peter comes out. He addresses the crowd. 3,000 people come to know Christ in a single moment. Wouldn't that be awesome? Amen. Amen. Could you imagine? We come up here on a Sunday morning. We have a a worship time and and the message and 3,000 people. That's what was happening. That's the power of multiply that we were seeing in the book of Acts. But here's why I'm excited about today. I'm a make it happen type of guy. Okay, one of my favorite phrases that I say to our staff all the time is make it happen. In fact, I say it so much that they're now looking for product as they're walking around a Hobby Lobby or whatever. My wife got a little sign for her desk that says make it happen. She's got like a little notebook with a cover says make it happen. Why? Because that's what we do. We make it happen. And we see that occurring in Acts chapter 3. That's where we are today. There are these two guys, Peter and John. They step out, again, full of the Holy Spirit. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit has consumed them. And by the way, if you missed the last two weeks, you need to go back and listen to those. Okay, It's the foundation of all we do. Why are we talking about the Holy Spirit? Because we need all that God is. Yes, the moment that you give your life to Jesus at an altar, the moment you say, I've messed up, come in and fill me and consume me, he saves you. You're radically changed in that moment. The Holy Spirit takes residence, but this infilling of the Holy Spirit is kind of like when I go to a coffee shop. I I went to the Ozark yesterday. And, and when I walked into Ozark, I guess it was Friday, walked into Ozark, um, you know you've been there too long or too many times when you walk up and the barista behind the counter goes, let me guess, you want a small iced zebra? And I went, with? She goes, with topping. <laughs> so the whip topping on top of my iced zebra coffee, um, by the way, iced zebra is the best thing you ever get, black and white, whatever you want to call it. But that whip topping on top is the game changer. That adds that extra little bit of oomph to your coffee, right? Come on. Okay, I know it's not real coffee. I know it's foo-foo. Let's move past. The point is, the point is, the whip topping is that extra little 
pizzazz that we need. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to add that extra little spark, that extra little pizzazz in your life to give you that anointing, to give you that thrust, to give you that ability. Acts 1.8 says you'll receive power, come on, dunamis power, dynamite power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Why? So you can be a witness. In other words, a greater power is in you, a greater ability is in you. A fresh anointing is in you. Come on, somebody. And that's what we see happening with John and with Peter in this moment in Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 11. Would you, would you indulge me just for a moment? Allow me to read this section of Scripture. You've got to hear this story. If you're new to the church, this is a really cool story. Acts chapter 3, beginning verse 1, it says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. So here they are. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They're on their way to church. Probably something that they did on a regular basis, perhaps a daily basis. They would go to the temple. They would go to the church at this moment for a prayer service. But how many, how many of you know sometimes in our lives, as we're in this pursuit, and last week we talked about a passionate pursuit of the things of God, as we're in this passionate pursuit for more and more of God, suddenly God places things in our lives. He gives us opportunities to be used by Him. Let's be honest, though. Sometimes those opportunities can be a, a little bit scary. Sometimes they can take us out of our comfort zone. Sometimes they may cause us to do something that we may not have done before. You know, talk to somebody in public about a relationship with Jesus or, or pray with somebody in the middle of Walmarts. Come on. Right? So here they are on their way to the temple to pray. Verse 2, as they approached the temple... A man, lame from birth, was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate. Hold on to that word very carefully, put. Every day for over 40 years he was brought to this same place. He was brought to this same location. He was put there. Come on. Have you ever been put someplace for so long that it became the norm? Even though it wasn't the best, even though it wasn't what was beneficial for your life, even though it wasn't what God had for you, you were put there, so you assumed and you took residence there, you assumed that was your place. That's where this lame man finds himself. He was put beside the temple gate, the one called beautiful. So he could beg for, from people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Again, he was put there in his mind, this is my calling, to daily beg to daily plead, to daily ask for somebody to give me some money so I can buy some Chick-fil-A. 
Come on. Peter and John looked at him intently, and you can imagine most people probably walked by and wouldn't even look at him, would just toss something in his, in his bucket or in his hat or whatever it happened to be. But in this moment, Peter and John paused in their tracks in that moment, and they gazed into his eyes. They looked intently upon him. And Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver. I don't have any gold. But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. What? Talk about being out of your comfort zone, right? I mean, we've, we've all seen a person maybe at the corner with a little sign that says, anything helps, and, and we, maybe we give him a, a gift card to McDonald's or we give him a, a few dollars to help them. But in this moment, Peter says, I don't have any money, but I'll tell you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. This man hadn't walked anywhere. He had never gotten up by himself. He had always been put in this place. But Peter says, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Then Peter took the man by the hand and helped him up. Now, that's an opportunity that's out of our comfort zone, right? I mean, let's be real. Let's be honest here. You have a person that's not able to walk. They haven't walked for 40 years. Four, zero, 40 years. And suddenly he walks, Peter walks up and grabs him by the hand and says, come on, get up. What happened? As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed, were instantly strengthened. Not only did he get up, look at this, it says he jumped up, he stood on his feet and began to walk. Now that in itself is a miracle. Because how many of you, when your kids were learning to walk, how many of them right off the bat, just kind of stood up and went, hey, look, this works pretty well. Why haven't I been doing this for the last nine and a half months? Why have I been being put over there? No, 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 no. They get up and they kind of do this. I was watching little Cooper last Sunday. Cooper was standing there, and Michaela's going, come here. Or maybe it was like, I don't know what I'm saying, come here. And he's doing this, and all of a sudden he goes, and sits down. But this man didn't just kind of stand for a moment and get his footing and sit down. The Bible says he jumped up, he stood on his feet, and he began to walk. But that's not where the excitement stops. It goes on to say, then walking, <laughs> leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple. He's not put by the temple. He goes into the temple. He's not put in a place. He gets up and goes 
to a place. Come on, some of you should be getting excited by now. Am I the only one excited about this? Okay, okay, okay. All the people, look at your neighbor and say all. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astonished. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Again, up to this moment, it's just been the 120 in the upper room having a worship service, having an annual business meeting, spending time in prayer. The Holy Spirit falls. Peter addresses the crowd. Thousands come to know Christ. 3,000, that first service. But now the action begins. I've titled this morning's message, The Multiplication Begins. Why? Because suddenly they're putting action to their faith. Well, pastor, my faith is a private faith. It's between me and God. You've got the wrong faith. Come on, let me say that again. You've got the wrong faith. Because our faith in Jesus was never called to be a quiet faith. It was never called to be a personal faith. It was never called to be left to us and us alone. Everything that God has done in and through you is being done in you so you can be a witness to somebody else. Oh, pastor, I'm an introvert. That's okay. An introvert can still be a witness. It may just look different than the extroverts. I'm, I'm convinced that in the upper room, 120 that day, Peter wasn't the only extrovert. And he was really an extrovert because the Spirit of God came upon him. Because prior to that, he, he couldn't even talk to a girl. Some of you are like, I was there once. Yeah. So suddenly, this action begins. These first 11 verses in chapter Three, we see them take this idea of you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. And in the midst of these 11 verses, I discovered three questions that we, the church, must ask ourselves. And I hope you take really good notes this morning. Number one is this. Are you looking for opportunities? In your pursuit of the Holy Spirit, in your pursuit of God, are you looking for opportunities? Notice here, Peter and John were headed to the temple to pray. Now, it wasn't uncommon for them to find a beggar, somebody near the entrance of the temple, sitting there begging or asking for money. You see, giving of alms was an important part of the Jewish faith. So beggars found it profitable to sit really close to the temple entrance as the crowds came in. Since the believers had put their money together, the early church had resourced all together Acts chapter 2, verse 44 and 45 tells us that they place all their money together. Therefore, Peter and John wouldn't have had extra cash in their pocket. But here's what I find interesting. Money was not what the man needed the most. Come on. He had received money for the last 40 plus years begging at the gate beautiful. 
So money wasn't what he needed. We're going to get there with question number two. The interesting part of this scene is that the beggar had been put there so many times before. The normal church crowd, those that were there on a regular occurrence, probably walked by him hundreds, if not thousands of times. Some maybe gave him some money. Some just kind of looked past him and kept walking. But they never saw an opportunity to make a long-lasting impact upon the life. But something different was occurring in Peter and John. Again, they had probably seen this lame man hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times before. But something different had occurred in their lives. Now filled with the Holy Spirit's they began to see this man not through their own human minds, but now through a fresh set of eyes. I talked about it last week, Galatians chapter 5. The Bible says the Holy Spirit places inside of you, produces inside of you a brand new character of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Could it be that that new nature was beginning to grow so much that it was spewing out to those around. Peter and John see this man, not with their own eyes, but now filled with the Holy Spirit. They immediately sensed that this beggar needed more than just money. He needed salvation for his soul. He needed a healing in his body. Peter and John noticing this man, taking time to look intently at him, Taking action steps to meet that need is physical proof of what the Holy Spirit had done inside of their lives. I believe that when the Holy Spirit is active in a believer's life, that suddenly we'll be put on a brand new pursuit of opportunities. We'll be sensitive to the spiritual needs of the lost and the broken and the hurting around us. We will have a longing, we will have a desire to look for the opportunity to make a difference, to make an impact for the kingdom of God. After all, Acts 1.8 says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. There's a, a pursuit, a purpose-driven life inside of us, to look for that opportunity to step in, to be the hands, the feet, and the voice of Jesus to a dark and broken world. For Peter and John that day, Jesus' focus became their focus. You see, up to this point, every time that they went to the temple to pray, their focus was, let's get to the temple to pray. But in this moment, as they're walking to the temple, they see this man at the gate, beautiful. They don't see him as a beggar any longer. They don't see him as a lame man that had been put there any longer. Suddenly, they see this as an opportunity, come on, to share the love of Jesus Christ. 
See, God always, had always seen this man. From the very beginning of this man's life as a baby, God saw the hurts. He saw his inability to go on his own, to move on his own. He saw the man's need, all that he needed. Come on. Were some followers who would convey the message that God knew his name. That God saw his need. That God alone had the power to heal him and restore him. And I wonder, in our lives, in our day-to-day lives, how many times is God looking to you and, and looking to me to be that one? To lend that hand? Are we looking for opportunities to multiply? Are we looking for opportunities to share the good news of Christ? Are we looking for opportunities to be his hands and his feet and his voice? Or are we just as happy going and coming? In the book, Multiply Your God-Given Potential, John Bevere once said this, if we flirt with hesitation long enough, it can become a pattern that ultimately leads to complete avoidance and to an unfruitful stewardship. Come on, look at that long, look at that. Let that sink in for just a moment. If we flirt with this idea of hesitation, uh, I I, I just don't know. I don't know if I I can do that. I I don't know if if I say stand up and walk. Can he stand up and walk? If if I start to talk to him, will he reject me? I don't know what to do. If we flirt with this idea of hesitation long enough, suddenly we fall into this pattern. We're put in this pattern that ultimately leads us to complete avoidance and to an unfruitful stewardship. What do I mean by that? I mean that we come to the place that we're not doing what God has called us to do. The Great Commission, go into all the world and make disciples. That wasn't just a a command for the leadership of the church, for the board, for the staff, for the department heads. No, 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 no. For every one of us. Every person that's given their heart and their life to Jesus, that's our calling, to go and make disciples. To be fruitful in our stewardship with Him. So I will say to you this, don't hesitate. Each of us has a potential inside of us, and the Holy Spirit wants to bring that to life. Oh, pastor, I don't have that ability. Well, just hold on to that thought. I'll get there in just a moment. Let's look at our second question. The first was, are you looking for opportunities? The second is this, what are you willing to give? What are you willing to give? See, too often we excuse our way out of making ourselves available. Have you ever been guilty of excusing your way out of making yourself availability? I, I just don't have the time. I'm sorry, I've got a meeting in like seven hours. I can't help you. 
I'm sorry, next Saturday I can't do that because i got to do my hair, so that's not right. We're, we're real, real, real guilty of coming up with excuses, making reasons why we can't be involved. We say things like, well, I just have nothing to offer. I'm not qualified for that. Well, let me debunk that thought this morning. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says this, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Come on. Do we believe that God's got power? And he gives us out of that ability from his divine power, from his anointing, from his power, he gives to you and to me everything we need to live this godly life. You may not have it in your own ability. In fact, I would venture to say you're not going to have it in your own ability Peter and and John, they couldn't look at this lame man and say, get up and walk on their own. How many of you know that would not have worked? It wouldn't have. But he doesn't say, hey, in my name, get up. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. I don't have any silver I don't have any gold, but I'll give you what I have. Where did he get this? From God's divine power. Come on, are you seeing how the Bible fits together little pieces to this puzzle, creating this scenario in life? Peter says, I don't have any money. In fact, I gave it to the whole crew over there. They've got it all, and we're meeting the needs over there. So right now, I got nothing on me. I don't carry any cash. Um, I don't see that you take cash app, so that's not going to work either. Um, So I'll tell you what I have. I'm going to give you what I have, what's been given to me, what's been handed to me from God's power, from God's anointing, from God's ability in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, get up. Look at your other neighbor with a little more in- intentionality. Say, get up. Because here's the problem. Some of us have been put in this place and we've been staying in this place. We've been hanging out in this place. And God says, that's not where I've called you to reside. Amen. That's not where I've called you to be. I haven't called you to this place. But day after day after day after day, you've been put there. I've called you to get up. I've called you to go. I've called you to make an impact. This idea of I give you what I have, it can literally be translated what I have been given, what I have been filled with, I give to you. I I venture to say that Peter in his mind was thinking, man, if you would have understood where I was a couple of months ago, I was kind of put in a place every day like you are. A place of insecurity. A place of fear. 
And day after day, I ran back to that. Even when Jesus was arrested, I embraced that and I tried to chop off the soldier's ear because I didn't know what else to do. A few moments later, I, I denied that I even knew who he was. But today, today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to you and I'm going to give you what has been given to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass to you what's been poured in to me. I don't think you've been called to be put there any longer. I believe you've been called to get up and walk. In fact, I believe you've been called to get up and leap. I believe you've been called to get up and give praise to God. It's time to get up. When Peter and John spoke to this man, I, I believe that his faith began to grow. But I believe that their faith began to grow. You see, the Holy Spirit, this infilling of the Holy Spirit, um, he's not a toy or a trophy or a talent. It's not something, well, look at me, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues more than all y'all. That's not what we're talking about here. The Holy Spirit inside of you is a, a tool to help you to multiply the kingdom of God. This lame man, Tony Evans says it this way, the lame man asked for what he wanted. He was about to receive what he needed. He asked for what he wanted. Can anybody put some change in the bucket? Alms for the poor. He was asking for what he wanted. He didn't realize that just moments later, as he looked into the eyes of Peter, that Peter was going to say, I don't have any money. I don't have what you think you need. But I'll tell you what you really need. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Yeah. Church, it's time for us to get up. So where do we find this lame man moments after he was healed? Verse 11 says this, the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Look at that. Every step that they went. Come here, Luke. You're going to play the part of Peter. All right. Everybody say, hi, Peter. Hi, Peter. So here I am. I'm the, I would get down, but I don't think you could pull me up. So <laughs> I'm going to pretend that I've already been healed. Woo! Okay, good stuff. So Peter and John, I want you to start walking. I'm going to show you what this man was doing. Everywhere that Peter and John went, this man was right there. Do you feel like I'm leading you? Yes. I, I, feel, like, I feel like that's happening. All right, go ahead. Thanks. Thanks. This man was holding tightly. Good job. This man was holding tightly to Peter and to John. This word holding tightly, phrase holding tightly, it means to get possession of. It means to have power. It means to retain. This man was longing for more of what he just experienced. He had always been put in a place. But suddenly he received 
something so much more. I want you to know that as you press in for more of God, God begins to pour into your life His anointing, His presence, His hope, His love, His strength, His forgiveness. He pours into you over and over. And the more that He pours, the more of Him that you're going to want. You're going to hold tightly to the things of God. You're going to have a desire inside of you for more and more of Him. But I wonder today, what is it that you're holding tightly to? In your life, what are you clinging to? Are you clinging to that place that you've been put? Are you clinging to those things that, that hold you back? Or are you clinging to the presence of God? Look at our third question. Are you expecting results? Are you expecting results? What we see Peter and John do in this moment, they were offering a spiritual and quite honestly a practical help to this lame man at the beautiful gates. Verses 7 and 8 says this, Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed, were instantly strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, began to walk, then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. That took faith on Peter and John's part. Again, this man had not stood on his own for 40 plus years. He hadn't walked on his own. An inability to move from here to there by himself. He couldn't even hobble alone. Yet Peter and John stepped out in faith. Peter says, I don't have any money, but here's what I have. Come on, get up. He took the man by the hand. Every time before, he was put in that place. But this particular moment, Peter brought him to the place of healing and restoration. Again, John Bevere says this, instead of listening to the limitation screaming in your mind, speak to the promises of God. Some of you today, whether in-house or online, you've been listening to the screaming voice in your mind telling you that's the place you belong. Stay put. Why not today? Why not begin to speak to the promises of God? God tells me to come to him, and he'll come to me. God tells me to enter his presence with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. In just a moment, 
This once lame man went from lame to leaping, from limping to leaping, all because two men had the faith to step out in the call of God. Two men changed the course of this man's life. I can hear you now. Well, Pastor, good for them. That was Peter and John. They were two disciples. They walked side by side with Jesus every day for three and a half years. If I was them, I could have done that also. I don't have that boldness. I don't have that authority. I hear you. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Do we agree that Jesus had all authority? All right, glad you said that. Luke chapter 9, verse 1 says this. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them the power and authority to cast out all demons and heal all diseases. So the authority that Jesus has, that you just testified with and agreed with that Jesus has, that same authority that he possessed in his life, he now gives to us. The word authority here literally means the power of choice. So I wonder today, by what authority will you choose to live? What authority are you walking in Today, there are some of you in the house, some of you watching online, you've been walking around in the wrong authority and you're wondering why you've been put in that place. I want you to know today that the moment you gave your life to Jesus Christ, that authority was transferred to you. The healing of the lame beggar drew a crowd that day. They began to question and wonder the moment that they recognized this man was the man that had been put at the gate beautiful. Verse 12 says that Peter saw this as an opportunity. He began to address the crowd. And here's here's what I love. Peter immediately, right out of the gate, identified the source of the healing. Peter didn't say, yeah, you know, John and I were pretty cool. I mean, we did this without having any money. I mean, we're not even skilled. We just like, all we know how to do is fish. But here, this time we went, woohoo, and it worked. I, no, he doesn't do that, does he? He instantly said, no, no, no. What happened here is under the power, under the anointing of Jesus Christ, you know, the one just a few days ago that you turned over for death, the one that rose from the grave, the one that sits at the right hand of God right now, send his Holy Spirit. He sent this promise and this power is through the Holy Spirit working through us. Now understand this. It wasn't just the lame man that was changed that day. See, typically we celebrate that a lot and we have this morning. Man, we've talked about what a glorious moment that was when this layman layman got up and he jumped and he leaped and he praised God and he went by himself into the temple holding tightly to Peter and John. But it wasn't just this man that was changed. If you go on into chapter four, 
verse 4, it says that the number of believers now totaled about 5,000, not including women and children. So here, here's what I see. Hold on to this. Because of the faithfulness, because of the obedience of just two men, multiplication stepped up. Potentially thousands of people came to know Christ in that moment. They made a decision to follow after Jesus. You see, the last record was 3,000 were added to the church. So 3,000 plus 120 is what? 3,120. Look at those math skills. But in this moment, it says the number is now 5,000, not including women and children. So we can safely say 20, 25,000 people followed after Christ in this moment. The faithfulness of just two men. You see, that's what it means to multiply, to step up, to look for the opportunity, to expect amazing results. Because when God steps in, things begin to change. I stated it at the onset of this message. This idea of multiply, it's not brand new. Quite honestly, it's been around since the beginning of time. Do you remember what God said to Adam? Be fruitful and what? Multiply. Oh, pastor, he's talking about procreation and having kids. Well, true. But look what John Bevere says. Whatever he, God, puts in our care, we are to return to him multiplied. What has God put in your care? What opportunity has he put in front of you that you in turn can take and meet. We gotta stop just having church. We gotta begin to multiply. We gotta multiply God's love. We gotta multiply this church. We gotta multiply our leadership. We have to multiply our generosity. We have to multiply our impact on our communities for the kingdom of God. But it's gonna require, listen carefully, it's gonna require that we get up and begin to go that we get up and we begin to walk. We can't settle for being put in a place. See, some of you have sat in the same exact seat in this worship center for many years. Every time you come in, you put yourself right there. Are we willing to do more than just come in and put ourselves down, sit in the seat, take up space? Are we willing to be used by God to reach those that are broken and far away from Him? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Thank you again for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to your life.